Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. To be in the book of Revelation, we're heading back to the book of Revelation. Uh, we'll be in chapter 4 where we left off, and our Bible studies are studying these scriptures as well. Um, Wednesday night, we'll be using uh, the Revelation scripture, whatever scripture we're on for that week as a starting point, and then we'll be uh, using it to connect with what we're calling Christology or theological study of who is Christ and going deep on what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And so if you want to join us on Wednesday nights, uh, that's kind of a unique thing that we're doing there. So Revelation 4 is where we're at. That's, that book's easy to find. Just go to your back of your Bible and you'll bump into Revelation. That's where we're at. And I uh, want to reintroduce you to this book. If you were with us with our series where we did the seven churches in the book of Revelation at the beginning of the book, and uh, these, these encouraging and challenging messages to real churches in what was called Asia Minor. And it's, it, they're, they're given as a vision uh, from Jesus to the Apostle John, right? And, and so God has given this, this book as a special kind of book, a vision that fits in the category of what would be called apocalyptic, apocalyptic or revealing a revealing type of literature some connect it with end times literature where god is showing us things that we cannot see on our own uh, to build us up and to encourage us and so god was showing this this important friend of his uh john he was showing him hey i've got a plan and i want to reveal some specific messages to the churches and we we went through those if you didn't hear those messages you can go on the website policechurch.org check them out but He's going to continue to reveal visions and what he's planning to do in and through the world and throughout history. And, you know, apocalyptic can sound really scary to our ears, right? Some people hear that, ooh, I'm out of here, right? you know, got to find an excuse to leave or something. Uh, but really, God is encouraging his people through this book. Uh, it's really about building up the church and encouraging us that God is in control. And so... One person he was encouraging directly was the Apostle John. John had, had received the, the revelation from Jesus as an elderly man. He'd been working with those seven churches in Asia Minor for many years. His, his home base was a city called Ephesus. He'd, he'd written the Gospel of John. He'd written letters, you know, we call them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He'd done, he was a direct disciple of Jesus. I mean, this guy had, had an amazing life. And now he's elderly, right? But interestingly, this elderly man who's, who's, who's walked through all kinds of things, he's seen, he's seen family members die for sharing about Jesus. Right? He's seen friends die for sharing about Jesus. He himself has been persecuted, and now he's been exiled onto an island called Patmos because the empire is afraid of this old man. You have too much influence in Ephesus, the emperor Domitian and the governor, Roman governor at that time was saying, we've we got to shut this guy up. Who is this rabble-rouser? Right? He's getting people to stop going to our Roman temples and we, let's put him on a rocky island somewhere, you know? And so they, they, they sent this old man, John, to Ephesus. That's encouraging. You say, what? Well, sometimes you think your life is done or you think the powers of this world can shut you down or whatever. John is this wonderful example of, you know, he's elderly, he's gone through a lot, he's not rich, he's, he's not, you know, famous by the, he is now, but by the world standards there. He was just a guy toiling for the kingdom of God. 
Literally, Rome throws him onto an island and makes him even more famous. Right? God give, that's where God gave him the book of Revelation. And I, I think it just is pretty amazing to think about. So he, he was given that. No idea if that's what John looks like. I actually asked him to find a different picture, but that's okay. Uh, so it, we are, we, today he's going to give us a glimpse of the throne room of heaven. The throne room of heaven. Uh, we're we're going to have a glimpse of that and experience then from Revelation 4 onward some dramatic events as they, as they unravel or maybe unfold, we should say, before us. And, but at the center of all these events that we're going to see that Revelation is revealing to us is God and God's throne. And that's where we're going to start. So let's pray as we dive into God's word. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You are truly the author and perfecter of our faith, God. And, and, and you alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. And you are working your good plan through history. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us hearts that rejoice at your truth. And Lord, I pray for your people that they'd be praying for themselves and for others here that this, this message would be an act of worship for them as they hear your word and that they'd be praying for me and other preachers, Lord, that we would, we would be about your kingdom, your glory, and declaring your word rightly. Would, they, would you lead them to pray for us, Lord? And we give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read the whole chapter of Revelation 4. It's not terribly lengthy. So uh, this, it's always good to hear the word. And we're going to hear now Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their from the throne came flashes of lightnings and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the seven living, second living creature like a ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders 
Fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you, Lord, our, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. And, and I, I, I read this, I, I listen to others read it, I, and I hear God's word, I just... One of the simple things I say is, wow, right? I think part of Revelation is to be heard. It's it, find an audio recording of it and just listen to it, whether it's the Bible app or something else, and just hear it. It's, we'll be blessed as hearing it. This is, a, this is an otherworldly image that God is giving us a glimpse of, and yet it is real. This is not John's imagination. This is, this is eternally real. The real reality, the imperishable one we just heard about in our scripture reading today. This is real. And we're getting a glimpse of it. That's a big deal, right? So I want to say our big point today, our big point today is revelation is a gift to the church from God. And if you think otherwise, be corrected, right? If you think it's scary or you think it's unnecessary or you think it was a mistake to add it onto the Bible or something like that. No, it's a gift to the church to encourage us, to encourage us with the deep truth that that God is in charge and has a plan for history. Eternity is real, and God is the foundation, the center, and the light for all eternity. And Revelation is going to make that clear. He's, he's the center, the foundation, and the light for all eternity. And, and we have here today a real clear point of the center of heaven. The center of heaven. He is, he is the one who is on the throne. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who has created all things. He, he is the center of heaven. You know, this vision here in Revelation 4, it's beautiful, but in a sense, it's, it's not the first revealing that has given us some of this information. In Bible study this week, uh, we got to consider, uh, and most of them, Ezekiel 1 and, and Isaiah 6, where we also see glimpses into the eternal throne room in Ezekiel 1 and, and, and Isaiah 6. They, they are coming from their vantage points of their different points of history, but they're looking on the eternal, the same amazing eternal throne room of God with God at the center. If you didn't get a chance to study, those are, those are two texts you can go read this, this week. You can read Ezekiel 1 and Isaiah 6, and you can see it, that, that God is at the center. He, those books were written hundreds of years before John received the revelation, but it's the same God, right? And, and the same eternity. So God's at the center of heaven. But there's other residents of heaven, if we want to say it that way. There's other residents of heaven uh, besides God on the throne, which is the main guy, right? He's been there a long time, God on the throne. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and yet God is surrounded by 24 elders, four angelic creatures and seven flames and representing the seven spirits. So real quickly, what are those? Well, the 24 elders, that's two times 12. I, I take the interpretation of, it's, it's a representation of all of God's people, Old Covenant or Old Testament, New Testament. It's, it's like the 12 tribes uh, that the Messiah came out of the people of Israel and the, the 12 apostles, the, the new kingdom of God. It's all of God's people, Jews and Gentiles, all people who believe in him. They're surrounding the throne. These elders are in a sense a representation of all the, the people that believe in God. Surrounding him in worship in heaven. 
But there's also these angelic creatures that have these different faces, right? The, the, the lion and the ox and the man and the angel, the, the great animals of the earth. You have a, a wild animal, a lion that is the, you know, the powerful wild lion. You've got the powerful ox, a powerful domesticated animal. You've got human beings powerful with our technology and our intellect, and we're made in the image of God. And you've got the powerful eagle that, that flies in the skies, right? But they are all also working for the most powerful one, God, at the center, right? And we see images of those, those same uh, angelic creatures, as strange as they are, with eyes inside and out, and you know, basically saying the messengers of God can see things we can't see and, and be a part of whatever God's calling them to be a part of it. We see those similar creatures uh, in Ezekiel again, Ezekiel 1. So God has these angelic creatures that he's created for his purpose, and there's more going on in reality than we can see, or that we even have words described. They say, you know, kind of like a lion or... It's like an ox because we are trying to, John's trying to grasp something that's beyond what we can see or understand. But he's doing his best he can, as Ezekiel did, as Isaiah did, as others did, who God gave this glimpse of seeing the eternal heaven, peeling back the curtain, as it were, and saying, this is my eternity. And then also near God there, near his throne, is the seven flames and the seven spirits. And we heard about in the, when we were doing the earlier studies in Revelation, the, the seven angels and the seven spirits that are working with the seven churches, and seven is a number of completion, and numbers are really important. Revelation, we'll be dealing with that as we go. But this idea that the things that are in heaven, these seven sp spirits, and they're, they're connecting with real churches down here on earth. That is, the power or the flames of the church are, are God's power. And so you've got seven, seven flames there before God, and the and, the, and for the reader who's reading this continually and not chopping up into chapters like us people now, they, they would have just heard just a couple minutes before whoever was reading it about the, the seven spirits that were helping the seven churches. So when they hear this here in Revelation 4, they're connecting all of that. And they say, oh, wow, what, what God is doing down here in our midst as a local church, it's like connected up into heaven. We're not disconnected. We're, we're not having to figure out all this church stuff on our own. They're paying attention in heaven. And don't the scriptures say that? The angels rejoice in heaven when one person converts, right? They, they know what's going on down here. In fact, they're kind of in charge of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the power of God that makes anything we do down here happen and get done. Your conversion, the ministry we're going to do with life lessons, right? So those are some other residents or things we see in heaven. There's other sites uh, of heaven as well. This is an artist's rendition. I, I didn't find any of them that are perfect. Not that I could do one, right? I'd have like little stick figures and stuff. But, but you know, just... It, it, amazing image that has a lot of the elements that we're, we're describing. And you, you've got one of the most powerful things we know of on earth, right? Lightning. And just <laughs> happening continually with loud noises. And just that would, that in itself would be overwhelming, right? Continual lightning and continual thunder. But it's more than that. It, it's, but it's calm, right? I don't like, one of the things I don't like is the, the sea there is not calm. So if I were to redo this picture, it would be as glass. Because the scripture says as glass. Now, why is that personally important to me? Because there's no anxiety in heaven. I'm really looking forward to it, church. Really looking forward to it. It's a sea of glass. 
The, the sea was something that the Jewish people traditionally were very anxious about, right? The, the sea represented, even Sheol, the place of death, was a watery grave. It was watery. The, the, the waves could come up and, and take your boats or whatever, but one day, be a sea of glass, calm. Calm, right? And the elders there, notice they're clothed in white. They're, they're made pure. Jesus told parables about the banquet in the future where people had to have the right coverings, the right clothings. We have to be made new and right by relationship with God. One of the things I don't think is in this particular one, because it's, well, it maybe is if, if we are able to zoom in, on, yeah, on the wings and stuff. It says that the creatures had eyes all over the place, right? Not like our big brother governments today have eyes all over the place, uh, but in, 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 in an encouraging way. Remember, the big context, God is encouraging John and the church of that time originally and then the church through the centuries, but that church at the time, like, hey, you think Rome is in charge and so powerful can do all, but God sees all, even his creatures who work for him see more they see your tears when when rome comes in and they take away one of your kids and force them into the military they see when they they feed one of the christians to the lions they see it it's not going without notice by god he's capturing tears in the bottle he he's taking notice he's going to make all things right in the end he sees he knows even even his servants that work in heaven and they're not god these creatures they work for god right they see Eyes all over the place. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the beautiful colors. Um, I'm not, a, I don't, I'm, I'm boring, right? You guys probably have been around here. I'm, I dress boring. I dress in solids. I, I don't do colors a lot. I, uh, but colors are good. I can admit that. Colors are really good. The colors of the Palouse amaze me, right? Sunsets and sunrises uh, uh, amaze me. And, and here we're having this, this glimpse of, of John saying, I, I, rainbow and emerald and carnelian and, 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 and all this. There's beautiful colors that he's, he's, he's grabbing at these gemstone colors of the earth or the rainbow to, to try to describe what it was like. But the rainbow particularly is mentioned not just here, but in, in like Ezekiel's vision. And yeah, that's a symbol going all the way back to Genesis that God keeps his promises. God promised with the original rainbow in Genesis that he would not destroy the earth again by flood. And, and then we see the rainbow show up again in Revelation to say God is a keeper of his promises. We're going to see over and over again connections from Genesis all the way to Revelation as we go through this. Just keep that in, in mind. Okay, but we don't just see sights. We hear some sounds. Sounds of heaven. Peals of thunder. Rumblings. Noises. And... At this point, it's a good point to, to say that some of you are thinking, as he describes all these things, I'm not necessarily excited about this. Where's my library heaven, right? Where's the nice, chilled out place where I can sit back and watch, you know, British mystery TV? That's what I like right now in my life where I like, you know, just chill. Uh, lightning? Thunder? I was hoping for a really good nap. Um, you know? Or, okay. This is a description of of majesty and beauty. That does not also mean that there won't also simultaneously be peace and serenity there with, right? And we're going to see there's different images that God's going to reveal. Uh, but he wants to make it clear to John and to the church that there's power. There's noise like the peals of thunder, but there's also some other noise like the clanking of crowns. It's not described, but I'm sorry, if you throw, throw a golden crown down, 
going to make some noise, right? And it, it's this weird scene of these elders just repeatedly throwing down their golden crowns. You know, someone in one of our Bible app reading plans this week said they were just thinking of those five-second videos that go back and forth, that, the silly ones that you watch and repeat or whatever on Tic Tac or whatever that's called. And, and it, you just you throw, down the, you throw down the crowns, right? And then, well, you got another crown, you throw it down again. And what, what is heaven? Like this place where these weirdos are just throwing down crowns all the time? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, it's something like that, but way better. So we see sounds, and not just the thunder, not just the crowns, but the beautiful declaration of God's holiness and worthiness. Let us hear again verse 8 and 11. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Does that make your heart feel good? It does mine. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Man, just admitting the truth in heaven. Wouldn't it be nice to refreshingly be in a place where the truth is admitted and received by everyone and not debated? And just like, man, God, I only exist because you created me. And giving God true thanks for that. That would be one of the sounds. One of the sounds of heaven. Okay, now that we've kind of covered some of that stuff, I want to jump into how does a revelation like this, a revelation of heaven, a glimpse of heaven, help us in the here and now? As much as we want to be centered people, I want to tell you that what revelation does for me is it uncenters me. It uncenters me. Uh, I, I mean, I get the idea of being centered, but if I... That's only healthy if I'm centered on truth, centered on Christ. But a lot of people are exploring centering. What they mean is centering of my own self-will. And to that I say, no. Be uncentered. Center yourself like heaven is centered, and that is on God. Heaven should uncenter us on self. That's never going to be what we need. God is the center. Right? And if we find ourselves at the center or our will or what's most important to me, and I want my family to go my way, not God's way, whatever it is, knock yourself out of the center. Let God knock you out of the center. Be uncentered. You heard it from your pastor here, okay? Next, it knocks us out of balance. Got to be careful here because I got about an hour long sermon about how much I hate balance, okay? You won't find it in the scriptures. Just Balances, yes, God wants fairness and just balances. You don't find balance in heaven. It's all about God. I free you from the false mission of trying to seek balance in your life. What an oppressive idea that has been pushed on us. Be unbalanced. Be all good. Right? Be all in. Here on earth, yes, we hedge our bets. We say, what is this between work and family? And then we say, well, I'm not doing one or the other right, right? Here on earth, we hedge our bets. We conserve our energy. We worry. We fret. We sin. In eternity, I want to be clear. It'll be all good. All worship. No anxiety. No need to hold back from unbridled love and joy. No fears of 
of being accepted or not. No fear of being rejected by a school friend or at work or whatever it is. No uncertainty about your future. No more visits to the doctor's office or the principal's office. No more car payments. No more ex unexpected tax payment or house payment. No, no taxes, period. Praise the Lord. The only the voluntary gift of praise to God who deeply wants you there and created you to have ongoing relationship with him. Heaven is not a balanced place. It's all good, no evil. It's all light, it says, no darkness. It says that. It's so good. And frankly, I think a vision like this is partly meant to encourage us to knock us out of our silliness that we do on earth. Trying to hedge our bets with this side of the family and that side of the family. Instead of saying, oh, wait a second, it's actually right. It's actually good. Okay. It sends us to our knees. It sends us to our knees or our faces before the Lord. The elders that are representing the, the believing people of, of all of history and all the earth, what do we find them doing? They're hitting their knees. They're, they're hitting their faces, falling before the throne of the Lord. And the scriptures tell us elsewhere that one day every knee will bow and one day every tongue will confess that he is Lord. This is reality. It will come to be one day. And they are experiencing over and over again the good God has done, is doing, and will do. Because history, in a sense, is not going to stop. He's God. He's always, the Father is always working. And we're going to be participating in the good that God has done. We're going to be learning about the past that he has done. You're going to be learning about the people who prayed for you that you never knew prayed for you. You're going to be learning about how your prayers were used by God and you didn't know they were used by God. We're going to talk about that next week in one of the beautiful images where it says that the elders are holding bowls filled with the prayers of God's people. You're going to learn that this is all real in deeper, deeper ways throughout eternity. And you're going to praise God. And let me tell you this, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be boring. Unless you believe that hearing and seeing and learning how God's love has shaped and changed people throughout history, and you're getting to see maybe retellings of that in whatever way God wants to do it, yeah, if, if you want heaven to be about you and, and finally bowling 300 or you and eating at a buffet and not getting fat, I mean, if you want heaven to be about you getting 18 holes in one or something, maybe heaven will be boring, but God's got another place for you. So anyway, okay. That's kind of a sick thing to laugh at. But yeah, I get it. I, I, yeah. Let me put it a different way, to go positive. Because this whole repetition thing is meant to encourage us, not discourage us. You've got repetition in your life. I've listened to some of you tell the same story a few times. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and some of it, I, most of it, I really enjoy. Right? Where, you know, I've heard strange stories about raccoons in this group. I've heard st strange, I've heard, I've heard fun stories that have been told over and over again. I, I love that. And in my family, we tell us the same stories over and again. And guess what? We still laugh. How about you? There's a part of us that we like to retell the story and laugh at the same story. It's not just a memory thing. It's like, that needs to be told again. I haven't told that one in a year or two. or can't even remember, but I'm going to tell it again, right? But not just the funny stories. 
what about those powerful stories that maybe we still get the goosebumps and when we tell about a difficult thing that happened or a beautiful thing that happened, a childbirth or a tragedy in our family or the way the community rallied around us when we were suffering. And we think about it. And we even maybe start to shake as we tell it. And then be, it, 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 we step back into it. It's like real as we tell it. And we tell it to someone because they don't know it yet or it just needs to be told again. Do you know how many billions or trillions of stories there are like this in God's people right now in the world? But then multiply that through the history of God's people. The stories of rescue, overcoming addiction, or a beautiful childbirth, or friends who came around you when you were grieving, of how God worked through his real people to, to serve and love others. Can you imagine with me hearing thousands of years of stories of God's love and redemption and not having to worry about time or the clock or going to work the next day? And you just get to see over and over again the goodness of how God worked and also learn at a deeper level how patient God was with you how God used you even when you thought you were too old to be used or your kids were still thinking about the lessons you taught after they moved out but you didn't know it but God shows you in eternity so friends part of what a revelation is supposed to do to us is keep one of the most powerful things God gave us alive our faithful imagination a faithful imagination that's actually connected to the future. So imagine with God as, he, as we work through this book, hearing the best. And instead of using your earthly imagination to say, oh, how boring this would be, you're engaging your imagination to say, this would be a bore. That's what you, you're misusing your imagination when you do that. Let God say, well, wait a second. It's not going to be boring. Use your faithful imagination. Don't put revelation down. Don't avoid it. Trust me, it's good news, not bad news. It's good news, not bad news. He invites you to a similar thing that he's inviting the Apostle John to. Notice at the beginning of chapter 4, he says a simple thing that maybe some of you said to friends or family, ah, come on up here to our house. He says, come up here, John. Did you hear that? He said, come up here. And it said also that the door to heaven was open. Come up here, John. I got an open house for you. I want you to see it. Man, that's pretty cool. Revelation is a good news book about how God wants us to have real worship of him. And it's not based on us being perfect. He doesn't say, John, once you're perfect, come on up here. Right? If we have a relationship with him, we can have real worship with him. We can, we can experience the reality of God's presence now you need to live in just the security that you, he's, he's a God who says, come on in and live life with me. And, and, and you can connect with me now. What I'm trying to show you, this, this eternal future I have planned, I, I, I'm in control. I, I've got it all planned out. It's better than you can describe. So what I need you to do now is I need you to live as if I'm real now. 
I need you to live with real acts of worship and service and kindness and generosity to people now. I need you to be people who share my good news of my son Jesus now because it's all real. And one day you're really going to see it and know it. So live in that now. What you do here on earth is real worship and it's connected to what's going on in eternity. And so therefore, you don't need to worry about the powers of this world. We can reject the, the, the worshiping of earthly powers like, like Domitian at the time, the emperor that had, through the governor, kicked, kicked John out of his town and threw him onto an island, right? But God is in a sense saying, you're not really on the throne. He didn't have anything compared to what's going on in heaven in eternity. In fact, this schmuck is actually working for me in a sense. I mean, God love him, right? But Domitian, the emperor at the time, he thinks he's giving orders that he's really in charge of. And the scriptures say, actually, any, any powers down here are underneath the sovereignty of God. It's a deep thing to consider. And so when he puts John on the island, he's actually giving John some quiet time to get the revelation. That was not in Domitian's plan. But now most of you haven't heard of Domitian, but how many people have heard of the book of Revelation, right? It was kind of his fault in a way. So earthly powers, my point is, as much as we get concerned of, of them, and we will in a deeper way with another election year just around the corner again, we will assume that everything hinges on that stuff. And I will just say to you again, because I said it a few years ago and I said it a few years before that, no, it doesn't. God is in control, always has been, is, and always will be. Earthly pow powers cannot outflank or outmaneuver God. God is too wise. God is too good. God is too powerful. God is too loving to be overcome. His plan is going to come about. And he will even use governments, dictators, presidents, any other people of that type. And we pray for them to do their best and to, to be godly. But he is working the plan of history and he will not be outmaneuvered, right? And so we need to rejoice with the this, this same vision and say, God is still God. God is still king on the throne and there is no other king like our king and he is such a good king because he's a personal king. Many kings, you can't get anywhere near them because of their security and their opulence and their palaces. But what does God say to John and what does God say to us ultimately? He says, come on in. Come up here. The door to heaven is open through my son. And that's, I want to get back to those crowns. That's connected to why those elders are doing this strange thing of throwing down their crowns repeatedly. That five-second video of, it, it's not going to be just like that, right? It'll be so much deeper, more powerful. But that's maybe where our, our kind of limited human, had, human imaginations go. Just, wow, they were just throwing down a crown and falling down before him. And now they, they hear another thing and they do it again. They do it again. Well, I mean, just say that what they're doing is worship. And I want to say about worship, that you know what? Worship isn't always logical to the observer who isn't the person worshiping. Maybe something was happening in your heart today as you're worshiping, and, and the person next to you or, or two rows away from you has no idea because God's doing something super logical or above our logic in your heart. 
and he's doing something real that he's trying to say, God, God's going to demonstrate this through these elders of repeatedly worshiping. It's an image of God doing far more than we could ask or imagine. But let me give you an earthly image just from my own life. It's nowhere near what I'm saying that's happening in heaven, but, but it was illogical to a lot of people who knew me. So I, I, was, I was really led to, to Christ. So I've been raised going to church, church camps, different things like that. I, I really surrendered to Christ as a freshman of college in Chicago, and, and, it, and it just wrecked my plan, right, of what I was going to be uh, and what my family thought I was going to be, all kinds of things. And, and I didn't know what to do. I knew God was real. I knew that I, I, the direction I thought I was going was not the direction for me. What was I to do? And my mom had forced me to bring a Bible to college, so I had a Bible on my shelf. I put it as far away as could be because it wasn't needed in my mind when I got there, right? So I got on my chair, and I reached up, and I got my Bible, and I knew the New Testament's where you go to hear about Jesus. I picked up that much in Sunday school, a little bit more, but I went to Matthew. Why? Because it's the first book in the New Testament, Okay. And I read Matthew that first night. I just read parts of it, a lot of it, several chapters. Wow, this Jesus guy, a lot cooler than I remember in Sunday school, you know? Like, I'm sure the teachers were saying things, but I didn't have ears to hear, right? And I went to sleep, peaceful that night. Remember that? Picked up again the next night, Gospel of Matthew. I got through the Gospel of Matthew. I went back to chapter 1 of Matthew. I just wanted to read it again. I read it again. I got to the end of Matthew. I went back to chapter 1 of Matthew. I read it again. I don't know how many times I read it through. I really don't. I really couldn't stop myself. It wasn't me. I was just amazed. Jesus is amazing. I'm, this is not a story but bragging about me. I just, this is real. This Jesus guy, this is really his genealogy. This is really what he did. This is really the son of God on the cross. This is really all these prophecies fulfilled. This is, God loves me this much. I just wanted to read it again. I started telling other Christians like that who I was thankfully finding over there, and they're like, you're doing what? <laughs> the same book? I thought, I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't get enough couldn't get enough. Can you get enough of God? Have you ever, I bet, if you're a believer here today, I know some are still considering it, some of you are new in the faith, or some of you are kids and you're thinking about it, but let me tell you a really great place to be is when God is so gracious and, and gets a hold of your heart and you have that moment when you say, I don't think I'm ever going to get enough of this God. And then something happens where maybe, maybe we push that out. But I'll tell you, heaven's going to be a place where we're going to say, I, I'll never get enough of this God in ways I don't even know how to express, okay? But I, what I want you to do right now, I really want you to do something right now, so I just wake up if you're asleep. Okay, feel around in your pocket or purse or whatever you came with. Feel around right now. Do you have a wallet or phone or some other valuable item. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to put them in the offering plate, so don't, don't get all weird. Just, just start feeling around right now. Go ahead. This is church. It's okay. Start feeling around for something of value in your pocket, in your purse. Go ahead and feel it. I'm not going to ask you to give it away. Go ahead and do that. 
we have these things of value. Maybe you have some money in your wallet or you, you've got pictures that are important to you, whatever it is. You got your phone. During our, our song of praise here in a moment after I pray or, or even during the prayer, I just want you to put that on the floor. That's silly. That's dumb, Pastor. What in the world? What should I do? I don't, I don't know if I can even bend down and pick it up, Pastor. Somebody will help you. Don't worry. My point is, I, I tire of measured worship, balanced worship, reasonable worship that everybody can pretty much predict and expect. This is just one little silly thing. But if your imagination, if you came here today and the first time you heard about the crown being thrown down today, you go, that doesn't seem like a good time to me. I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, yeah, we're being shaped by the world where we don't realize how good it is to never have enough of God. And so maybe we need to do some unreasonable things. Throw down our treasures every once in a while. Slam down our phone and throw it across the table and not look at it for hours. I don't know what it is for you. But I'm just asking you to do something unreasonable. And if you can't, then, then maybe you need to say, God, have I made you all too reasonable? You're so much more, God, than I could ask or imagine or dream. God, I, I, I can't even take this thing out of my pocket. God, get me back to a better place where you're deeply at the center. God. I pray that we would be people who throw down our lives, our time, our possessions, our, our anxiety, our wanting to, to be in control, wanting to be respected, whatever it is, Lord, I, I, I just pray that we, fall, we would throw down at you whatever we treasure. And we would say, worthy are you, our Lord and God. You are holy. You are worthy to be worshipped. You created all things, and yet you came into creation. You lived as one of us. You cast yourself down to earth, O oh Lord. And you allowed us to cast you upon the cross. You went to that tomb. You cast our sin and our death so far away through your son. And you were raised from the grave. Hallelujah. So, oh Lord, we do cast ourselves before you now. May your Holy Spirit encourage us and help us to live more and more and more in your reality that always was, currently is, and always will be centered on you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's rejoice. Let's sing together.
Let's throw down whatever we want to throw down. And let's sing. If you're able to stand, let's sing holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.